Hi, and welcome to the Stop Chasing Skinny podcast, where every single Tuesday we interview a new guest to talk about topics to help you craft your own fit life. The title Stop Chasing Skinny comes from my own personal tagline of life begins when you stop chasing skinny. You see, I spent many years running many miles, taking many classes, and trying many diets, but none of those worked. So finally, I got down to the business of understanding what really matters. And it's not just about how much exercise you can do or how little you can eat. It's everything else that goes into it. So I created this podcast to help you so you can craft your own fit life. Every single Tuesday, you can listen to an interview with a guest. And now every Friday, you can listen to me a second time, where I take questions you have sent to me, and I spend about 15 minutes answering them. You can even feed your brain this nourishing brain food by listening while you're cooking, commuting, cleaning, walking the dog, or just about anything else, because that is how we craft a fit life. So let's get on with the show. Hi, and welcome to today's episode. Today's guest is Marissa Molina. Marissa is a certified holistic health practitioner, integrative nutritionist, a certified intuitive eating counselor, and she has a master's degree in public health with a concentration in epidemiology. Prior to starting Hello Beautiful Health, she spent 10 years in public health research and five managing an obesity prevention research study for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention that promoted physical activity and healthy behaviors to low-income women in the San Diego County. She's also published nine-plus peer-reviewed papers on health and health behaviors. It's Marissa's mission to support women to live the life of their dreams. And so for some, that could be about healing their relationship with food. For others, it's building their confidence and finding more purpose in life. It could also be about bringing more balance and reducing stress. And usually, it's some combination of all of those. So today, we wanted to talk to her specifically about the food and stress and balance since that can sometimes lead to overwhelm and decrease our chances of getting our workouts in. And welcome to the show, Marissa. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really glad to be here. Great. So can you tell us just a little more about why you are so passionate about this? Absolutely. Um, so there's so many reasons, I think, um, both personally and professionally. Um, I've been in the world of, you know, weight loss and um, nutrition for a number of years now. And um, I've really gotten to experience what people and specifically women experience um, with their relationship to themselves and their relationship to their bodies and food um, and how it really impacts all areas of their life. We can't get away from it. You know, we have to eat something that we're faced with all the time. And when our relationship with food is kind of not uh, not great, we our, our relationship with ourselves isn't great and our body, and we don't trust ourselves or life. And I always like to use the expression, the way we do one thing is the way that we do everything. And the same thing applies to food. Um, and I truly believe that when we transform our relationship with food, it really opens up all areas of our life. So it's an amazing process to take people through. Um, but also I've had my own struggles, my own personal struggles with trusting myself with food. I was a dieter myself and have been on every type of eating style that's supposedly healthy at the time. Um, and never really being able to have freedom with food and feel comfortable until I started using the intuitive eating method. And it's just been 
incredible. Absolutely incredible. That's great because I think a lot of listeners can identify with that. So now you have worked with literally thousands of women. Is there one common theme that you've kind of seen running throughout both the super successful in this field and the still struggling in this in this arena? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's really interesting. And it's part of really what I teach people to do is bringing awareness and um, bringing self-compassion. So um, those two parts are absolutely key to having success um, with weight loss or with you know healthy lifestyle. And um, women who can really give themselves compassion and be patient with themselves and really um, can choose to accept their bodies the way that they are at the moment and and through their journey towards their goals have far more success than the ones who are hard on themselves, who pick at themselves, who criticize or constantly, you know, talk bad about themselves. Um, those women send, tend to stay stuck um, wherever they are. And when they can shift their mindset, and that's really what I do is helping them shift their mindset they have a lot more success in choosing nourishing foods and not binge eating or not feeling like they have to eat perfect all the time, but really listening to their body. Um, that's really where the whole transformation comes um, with food and their relationship to exercise and um, really being able to, I think, patience and self-compassion is, are the keys to being able to have success in those areas. That's very interesting because a lot of times for the people who have not quite been successful in that area yet, a lot of times those are the people who are seeking out more diets. They are more restrictive. They are following more plans. They have more pins on Pinterest in this area. Um, but what you're saying is <laughs> if they can kind of be a little less controlling, restrictive, um, and and focused on it, maybe that's where the sweet spot is, right? Yeah. So I'll give you an example. Um, and this tends to be super common. Um, and it's just a really, really good example. So for women who, um, let's say, are trying to eat healthy, and they have this idea that they have to eat perfectly, they've got to eat, you know, exactly to plan, they can't eat outside of that, um, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're doing really great, let's say, for a week or, you know, two weeks. And then all of a sudden, they go to a party or they go out to dinner and they eat something that's off of their list. And they just hate themselves for it. They overanalyze. They say, oh, my God, I'm such a terrible person. Oh, well, screw it. I'm just going to keep eating bad. Or, you know, it goes into this hole of despair of, like, I'm a terrible person. Why can't I just keep it together or keep it under control? And that, like, leads into, like, weeks and weeks of eating bad rather than having the self-compassion and saying, okay, that was a really great meal. I enjoyed that. Well, I'll just say pasta since carbs are the, the devil right now. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, really, you know, they you can enjoy that meal and then start the next meal and be like, okay, now I want something that's nourishing to me. And our body actually you know, is going to crave those things that are good for us when we let it. Our mindset just typically gets in the way. And so that self-compassion piece of being like, okay, like I had what I needed, um, allows you to jump right back into eating nourishing foods rather than um, going into the cycle of eating bad or binge eating or, um, you know, eating too much. 
uh, eating past your fullness even in that meal that you're supposedly being bad with your food. And I've heard all of that stuff because I've said it to myself. <laughs> um, so let's talk. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about um, how our jobs are related to our health. Because just like how food has to be a part of our lives, you know, if you're an alcoholic and you need to stop drinking, you can say, "I'll never have another drink the rest of my life," and move on. You know, move on. I mean, it's not quite as simple. It's still always a struggle, but you don't always have to figure out how to have just a little. Well, with food, you always have to have it in your life. It cannot go away. And so that I think has the same thing happens with stress. And, and jobs, jobs are always going to be in your life. Even if you're a stay at home, uh, you don't even have to be a stay at home mom, you can be a stay at home like housekeeper, like there's something always going on with your job, with your life, it's all integrated. So how are jobs related to our health, and especially food? That's a really, really great question. Um, they're completely interrelated. So very much in the work that I do, it's less about what you're eating and more about what is the underlying reason why you're choosing the foods that you're choosing, and even though they don't make you feel good. And work ha- plays a huge role in that. It really does. Um, you know, our jobs can really cause us stress. If you have a long commute, um, you may have a coworker that bothers you or um, someone, you know, a boss that's like, you know, hard on you or something like that. Um, or maybe you're just hard on yourself. I see this a lot with women who um, have perfectionist tendencies, that they're really hard on themselves, that work becomes this extra stressor that it doesn't have to be. And what happens is, is we go through the day holding our breath all day long. You literally go through the day so running in your, you know, stress mode or your, what I like to call your fight or flight mode, which means that adrenaline and cortisol are pumping through your body and helping you get through it, that you don't even breathe. I mean, you're breathing, but you're really not like, you're just in this like survival mode. And that has huge impact, not only on our eating habits um, or our stress levels, it has impact on our eating habits, it has impact on our digestion. Um, it, it has a huge impact on all of our body physiologically, just physiologically. So not even just our mind, but our body physically. And, um, you know, what happens is, and I'll give you a few examples of why is it important to reduce your stress and then how to do that. Um, and part of it is our mindset and part of it is breathing. Um, but it's also about learning to um, reduce the cortisol that's running through your body and the adrenaline. So I used to be one of these people who used to go through the day and be like, oh, my God, I was so busy that I forgot to eat. <laughs> yeah. And that's just a men- dieter's mentality or like a, you know, that's just what we did um, when you wanted to be skinny or whatever it was. And so I would go through the day and that, that meant that was so, so much adrenaline and cortisol running through my body that. I just wouldn't even realize that I needed to eat. So when we're in survival mode, all of our energy goes to our eyes and our heart and our lungs to run from an animal, right? That's fight or flight, run from an animal. Even though that's not what's happening in our day-to-day, we have um, now the same impact from anxiety, stress, 
um, and, you know, just having a challenging or long day, it produces the same physiological response in our body. And um, so then what happens is by the time you get a chance to eat, you can't stop. You're like, I am so hungry. I haven't eaten all day. And you eat and you eat. And of course, at that point, your body is depleted of all its energy. So it craves carbohydrates, right? So it's craving like sweets and, um, you know, maybe pastas. And people wonder why they have a problem that they can't you know, stick to a nourishing diet. And it's not because they have no willpower. It's really because our bodies physiologically are producing a response that says, I need energy. You haven't given me energy all day. And we're going to take a really quick break and we'll be right back. Have you signed up for the 10 day jumpstart program yet? It's free. The SK Fit Life 10 day jumpstart program is 10 days of emailed lessons straight in your inbox. All of my best lessons straight to you for free. Go to www.skfitlife.com slash free 10 day. That's F-R-E-E 10-D-A-Y. See you there. And welcome back. The second really big impact is our digestion. And this was huge for me. I, when I get stressed out, um, my digestion stops, right? So basically we go from fight or flight to rest and digest. I like to use those two ways. And when we're in fight or flight, again, our energy is in our eyes and our lungs and our heart. And when we're in rest and digest, it's on our stomach and, you know, the repair portion of our, you know, our immune system and things like that, other parts of our body. And so when we eat, when we're stressed or we're anxious, then what happens is our digestion is not ready for it. It's totally in fight or flight mode, which means that your digestion kind of gets stagnant and we get stomach problems like bloating and stomach pain and cramps and our body just stops digesting those foods. But you might notice for some people that, um, you know, have stomach issues that you're really great and you can eat anything when you're on vacation but then you come back to work and everything bothers your stomach. That's, you know, an indicator that stress and anxiety may be playing a role in your um, digestive system. So it's not because now, a resort I food say is better. That I have, yeah, exactly. Not at all. <laughs> it's not at all. <laughs> exactly. No. Um, it's because you're stressed out at work all the time. Um, so... And people can kind of start to pick up those patterns as well, right? Like, oh, like I had a really crazy day yesterday and my stomach hurts today. Okay, no wonder, you know, you got to relax. So I want to give an example of a client that I have. And she, um, you know, had an experience at work where um, something really, she's in the medical profession and um, someone passed away uh, on her watch. And it wasn't really her fault. A lot of other people like were responsible for, didn't pick something up. And she had a lot of guilt and fear around it happening again. And so she would literally go through her day feeling really, really stressed out, like worried, anxious that she's going to miss something or something's going to go wrong. And this doesn't just happen to people who had traumatic experiences. This also happens to people who have bosses who are, you know, really strict or meticulous or who have um, perfectionist tendencies. 
of like, I don't want to make a mistake. What if I do something wrong? Um, and you have that extra level of anxiety that's not really necessary. It's not really supporting you. And actually, it probably makes it worse. Uh, you probably don't act, a, you know, do your job as well when you're under that kind of anxiety um, because you're so worried about it. But um, all of that, that piece of our mindset, again, related to self-compassion, um, can ha- play a huge role in our, um, in our stress levels. So, again, we're looking at this, like, holistic perspective. We can't just fix the food that we eat. We really have to fix our mindset because it doesn't make a difference. Um, it's not going to, it's not the whole piece, right? It's a big part of it, um, but it's not the whole piece. Um, and so looking at like, where can I, you know, reduce my stress level? Where can I um, reduce my anxiety? Where can I bring self-compassion so that I'm not in the stress anxiety mode all the time? That's an excellent point because I think that a lot of people, can relate to that. I know when I was in the nuclear engineering field, um, I was stressed out all the time. And it's interesting because I think now about if I stepped back into that field, how I would be able to handle the stress and the anxiety and the responsibilities of it compared to how I used to handle it. And I think that it would be a completely different ballgame for me at this point because I do know about breathing. I do know about meditation, mindfulness, and just how how unhelpful it is to get all balled up and be super stressed out about it. But when you're in it and you haven't had a chance to step out of it, a lot of times it's just your norm. You're used to feeling like that. That's just standard. I mean, that's that's just what you do. I see it a lot with my clients who are nurses too, um, just always on the go, that rotating shift work, the night shifts, the uh, the extreme, um, I guess, implications for maybe missing something. Uh, and so I think if you're in a stressful position, and if you're if you're in a stressful career, that's even more reason to take time out for yourself, work on that deep breathing and that meditation. But you're right, it shows up in our food more so than anywhere else in our life. Absolutely. I think you pinpointed it, right? Is that when we have those stressful jobs and we have like those, you know, things that chronic stress that we're exposed to, it's like ten times more important for us to also practice self care. And to also do the things that are going to help us to reduce our stress levels, even if we can't outside of work, right? So you mentioned like exercise is one of those, you're the exercise expert that's huge for reducing the stress levels and the cortisol in our bodies. Um, And then also breathing, deep breathing is really, really big. I also, I um, recommend to my clients to set a bunch of alarm clocks for the day to remind themselves to take really big, deep breaths. And actually, it's been shown, they just had a a research study published recently that showed that literally just taking 10 deep breaths will switch your body from your fight or flight mode into your rest and digest mode. So you can do that before your meals, do it throughout the day, and it will actually help you to start your, have your body, you know, use a different system to relax um, and not be producing all of those um, adrenaline, you know, all the, the the chemicals and endorphins and hormones and things that we don't need in our body all the time that are there from our chronic stress. 
meditation is also an amazing uh, way as well to, to do that. Yeah, that's great. And and so even if somebody doesn't have a stressful job, this is really important. I mean, managing stress throughout your day is is imper- it, it's imperative. Yeah, it really is. Not and especially those of you who are trying out there who are trying to lose weight or trying to um, you know, eat healthier or, you know, find yourself eating or eating chips all the time or, you know, all those things are kind of indicators that something's off balance. Um, and like, for example, um, cravings. Our cravings are, you know, something that we, that are an indicator that there's something like not quite in balance for us. And we don't usually interpret them correctly. We think that there's something wrong with us that we have this like uncontrollable desire for sugar. We think that there's something wrong with us because we can't stop eating potato chips. But really there's like something to look at, like what's behind that? Because you can go through and you can, you know, try to restrict yourself from having potato chips. So you can try to restrict yourself from having any sugar, but eventually you can't take it anymore because physiologically your body is craving something that those things provide. And so, you know, it's really looking behind that. Like, why am I craving sugar all the time? One of the biggest reasons people crave sugar is because they're not sleeping enough. They're tired. And sugar is like the body's quick form of energy. And so it's like, you know, it's no wonder the body wants sugar. It wants energy. Um, but instead of you know, getting more sleep, we tend to either eat sugar or restrict and then and drink lots of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Guilty. And um, it really perpetuates the cycle. <laughs> and we're going to take a really quick break and we'll be right back. So how are you liking the show? We would really appreciate it if you would give us a rating and review. Just click that review button. Leave us some comments and we appreciate all of your feedback. And welcome back. Yeah, so you do these dinners here in um, San Diego from time to time where you invite um, women to come to these dinners and you guys are practicing mindful eating. You're talking about these cravings. You're talking about when you sit down, what what do what do you immediately want to order? Can you tell us about that? Because I thought that was that was just beautiful because a lot of times, like you said, we just go back to, oh, it's it's willpower. I should, I shouldn't, all of that stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So it was interesting because when I uh, started my business, I was working in the intuitive eating realm, right? That's what it's called, intuitive eating, which incorporates mindful eating, but has some other pieces to it as well. And it was hard to explain. Like, how do I tell or explain to someone, you know, well, actually, food will stop tasting good when you're done with it. Or, you'll actually find that you can, if you slow down, you can eat half as much food as you normally eat. And um, people were like, no way, that can't be, right? So the dinner parties were created in order to really um, teach people or have them really experience for themselves what it means to intuitively eat. What does it mean to mindfully eat? And so we go through all of these exercises during the dinner to get you in touch with your body. And this is just really important because our bodies are actually, you know, designed to tell us exactly what to eat and how much to eat. Now, the problem is that we interpret it incorrectly, just like I was talking about sugar, 
or we, um, you know, tend to ignore it. Um, we don't trust ourselves, right? Because we've had all these bad experiences with food or we're overweight and that must mean that I can't possibly, you know, trust myself with food, but it's designed to tell us how much, when, and what to eat. And so what we do is at the dinner parties, we sit down and we talk about, okay, what are you craving right now? What is it that you desire in this very moment? You know, what, and not like necessarily like, okay, I want carne asada fries. <laughs> Talking about in the realm of like, okay, well, what is it about carne asada fries that sound good to you? Is it the creamy part of it? Is it the salty and the savory part of it? Is there something that's like the texture? Is it the warm food? And um, we can actually start to pull apart our meals and replace it with nourishing versions of foods that actually satisfy the same flavors, right? So let's say that you did want carne asada fries and you actually want something warm, something kind of salty and savory. Okay, well, what is a version of that that you can create that's salty, savory, and warm? Okay, how about some roasted vegetables with sea salt and a little bit of protein, right? It actually will produce the same satisfaction, you season it, everything like that, that would that you would find from having carne asada fries. And it's really like getting to experience that for themselves. So a lot of times, every dinner party is different, but one of the exercises we do is I ask them, okay, what do you want? And then I bring out a lot of ingredients for a particular meal. So we've done pizzas or tacos or something like that. And you create a pizza or you create a taco around the flavors that you cr- you are craving in that moment. So you want sour, you want spicy, you want sweet, create it and then create whatever you want. You can use and create another version with as many, you know, toppings as you want and then notice which one satisfies you more. And 99% of the time you're much more satisfied with the version that has the flavors and the textures that you wanted than the one that just had everything because you get tempted, right? And so really it's a tool that you can use when you're sitting at the dinner and you're about to make dinner or you're at a restaurant or something is really to tune into like, what do I want? Like, what are the flavors, textures that I want? And what's the most nourishing version of that that I can get? That's awesome. I like how too, when we, when we talked before, you said no foods are off limits, but you, you switch that out with an upgrade, right? Like I loved how, can you share a little bit about that? I loved how you, how you switched the mindset on that one too. Yeah, absolutely. So um, there are no bad foods when it comes to intuitive eating, right? Because what we start to do is we start to listen to our bodies. So anything is bad for you if you eat too much of it, including drinking too much water can be bad for you, right? And so, you know, a cupcake isn't bad for you unless you're having a cupcake every day after work. And our bodies don't necessarily really want that. It's more like our mindset wants it, or maybe our emotions want it, um, or maybe our being tired is why we want it. And so with, with intuitive eating, what you get the opportunity to do is say, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to listen to what my body wants, but I'm going to find the most nourishing version of it. So I'm going to upgrade my choice. So if I want a hamburger, I'm not going to get a hamburger from McDonald's. I'm going to get my grass-fed hamburger with a gluten-free bun that tastes really great to me, right? Um, And it's really about um, honoring yourself and your flavor, you know, what you're designing, what your body wants, 
um, and upgrading to the most nourishing version of that. So you feel satisfied. You don't feel restricted. You're not feeling like, oh, my gosh, I can never have this ever again. Uh, but finding that that version that really actually still can make you feel good in your body and satisfy the, the cravings or the taste that you desire. Instead of trying to have something, you know, it, it doesn't taste good to have like a cardboard tasting, you know, meal, which is kind of the way that some, some things go. Like you're not just going to have chicken and vegetables, you know, with no seasoning for the rest of your life. That doesn't suit you. It only has you desire more rich foods more. So really focusing on combining satisfaction with your desires and upgrading your meals is perfect because you get the best of both worlds. I like that. (laughs) Sounds way more appealing. (laughs) Oh, man. So now... Yes. A lot of listeners are probably sitting here like taking notes. I know I was the first time we sat down and I've been doing this for a long time. So um, you also offer a really great coaching programs. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how somebody could find more information about your programs? Yeah, absolutely. Um, There's a couple ways. Um, My website is www.hellobeautifulhealth.com. And I do have some of the different programs that I offer um, on my uh, website. Um, I do one-on-one coaching. And what that looks like is um, working. So I provide education, which is important. Like, how do I become an intuitive eater? Um, and then I also provide, like, a, a one-hour session once a week or once every two weeks in which we get to really um, talk about what's going on in your life and how can I move through this with grace and ease, right? So like I talked about before, our eating habits are just a function of what's happening in our life. They literally are just a function of what's happening in our life so that when we get our life in order, when we start to feel more at ease, when we start to reduce that anxiety and that stress, it becomes really easy to eat nourishing foods. It doesn't become hard anymore. It doesn't become you know, this game of restricting um, any longer. And so what I do is um, for people who begin to work with me, um, they get, it's 12 weeks long, um, or 12, I'm sorry, 12 modules. And um, each module is about 30 minutes. And you watch that and you get all the education and there's some assignments that go along with that. And they're really easy. It's really like about bringing awareness to your eating habits and noticing patterns, which are useful for the rest of your life in all areas of your life. And then we do a coaching call and we talk or a video or something like that. We can do a video call and we really talk about what's happening and how it's impacting your eating habits so that we can get behind what's causing your eating habits to be out of control rather than trying to focus on fixing what you're eating. Um, which doesn't always work because if you're still sad about something or you're still disappointed and you're having a hard time moving past that disappointment, you're going to keep craving sugar and all those bad foods. <laughs> yeah. So, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. This is exactly what most of us need to listen to. And if you don't need to listen to it, it's because you already figured it out. You're already doing this stuff. I haven't found any other way around it. I mean, really, uh, it's the only way that my own personal nutrition has 
has come into focus for me, not efforting towards something, not forcing anything, not trying to stress out over it. I have enough stress in my life. Don't need to just stress about food too, um, which I think most listeners could agree. So this is amazing information. It's great and it's refreshing to hear that you come from this different approach instead of let me just give you a meal plan to follow because that rarely helps these situations. Yeah, that's right. It's so true. I think there's three principles that I say are really, um, you know, the cornerstone of what I do and are the important pieces to really transforming your relationship with food and creating a healthy lifestyle. And that is being able to relearn how to listen to your natural body cues and redesign your lifestyle in a way that, that works for you. Um, that has you do that, and then also to get past and move past your emotions and learn to to really be with those emotions. And so those are the those are the key things that are that mindset piece of things. And if you don't have all three of those, it just becomes what you're saying: effort and force. Yeah, we put enough effort and force into our workouts. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Marissa. I appreciate your time. <laughs> thank you for having me. It was wonderful to be here. 